Well, hey guys, welcome to SHC at Home. We're so glad you're here today. Whether you're watching locally or somewhere else around the globe, welcome. Thank you for carving out some time and being with us. In fact, if you're brand new, if this is your first time to gather with us online, if you don't mind, drop a comment below. We would love to know that you're here. There's a link that you can actually click and to fill out just some simple info where we can send you a free gift. We'd love to know where you're watching from and just to say, welcome home. Well, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been in a teaching called Unstoppable. Pastor Chuck has been talking about this idea that for the last 2000 years, Jesus has been building his church. In fact, when he talked to his disciples, he told them there's gonna be a lot of opposition to the church, but even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. It will be unstoppable. And so it's this idea on week one to talk about unstoppable prayer. How do we take the words of God and give them back to God through prayer? Week two is all about unstoppable faith. How does God shape us and mold us and to build something within us and, and to create something that is unstoppable? I can't wait for next week. Next week, Pastor Chuck is gonna be talking about unstoppable commitment and it's gonna be an incredible word. But today, I wanna talk about unstoppable action. What is it that Jesus has called us to do? Whenever I think about the church and when I think about this series, I think about how complex church can become. I grew up in a small town and in that small town, I absolutely loved my church, but man, church got complex. When I was a kid, I, I looked forward to youth camp every year as a middle schooler. I was like, man, what, what are we gonna do? What are the pranks? What, what, what's the fun we're gonna do? And so it became about camp or back home at church, sometimes it became about the women's tea. I don't know what about that is, was such a big deal, but it's like the women gotta gather and they've gotta have their tea, or, uh, or we had the special music at church. I, I, I love worship and I love singing, but we always had that special song, that soloist that had the cassette tape. Do you remember those? And the sound guy, which eventually was me, uh, would always have it queued up to the wrong track, the wrong key, and man, I'm telling you, church, got complex. I joke about it that my home church, when you walked into the men's restroom, they actually labeled the stalls, 1 John and 2 John, with the picture of Moses saying, let my people go. I mean, how crazy is that? We make church so complex. And in the middle of that, one of my good friends named Dave came to our church and he talked to our team and he really said some words from scripture that helped me think about what is the action that Jesus has called his church and Jesus has called his people to do. What does that actually look like? And he taught our team from Luke chapter 19. Now, if you have a Bible, I wanna invite you to pull it out. If you've got an app that you wanna track along with, or even if you just wanna read along with me on the screen, but Luke chapter 19 is an incredible passage. In Luke 19, Jesus is 12 miles away from the cross. He's on his way to die for our sins. And on his way, he has a pit stop. He has what some might see as an interruption. But in that moment, Jesus meets somebody that's far from him and helps him to step into the faith. And I think that's one of the things we've got to wrestle with today is that if we've been around Jesus a long, long time, as many of us probably have, if we're not careful, we'll forget what it looks like. To, to be around people that don't know him yet. We'll forget how to talk to them. We'll forget what that feels like. And in Luke 19, Jesus helps us to see how we can actively 
live this out. Let's look at Luke 19, starting in verse 1. It says, And Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. So he's an unlikely person. He's an outcast. He's somebody that is hated by the people of his day. It says in verse 3 that he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed in a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. There's urgency here. He's like, I want to see Jesus. I I hear he's coming through. How can I see him? Verse 5, and when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, "I'll, I'll give away half of my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has showed himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. What an incredible reminder. This is urgent. Jesus is on the way to the cross. In the middle of this moment, this outsider, this person that seems too far gone, meets Jesus and everything changes. What does that look like? Well, the first thing is, number one, Jesus always remained true to his agenda. Jesus was always on mission. Listen to how Jesus says it in verse 10. He says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you see that phrase? To seek and to save, to seek and to save. This is his mission. This is his message. This is the action that Jesus came onto this earth to do. He's seeking and saving that which is lost. And I think if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of that. If we're not careful, we'll forget what it's like to not know Jesus. We'll forget what it's like to be far off. We'll forget what it's like not to have Jesus in our life. And Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. That one little word, lost, I think is so interesting. Uh, Sometimes when people use the word lost, it's almost like a derogatory statement. Oh, that person's so lost. That person's, man, they're just lost. But the definition of lost literally means to be out of place. It means to be in a place where you don't belong. And so when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he doesn't see him as an outcast that's unreachable. He doesn't see him as somebody that's too far gone. He sees a life that is out of place. He sees a life that's in a place that it doesn't belong. Physically, he's in a sycamore tree. Spiritually, he's a million miles away from God. I think it's so interesting that the Bible specifically says that he's in a sycamore tree. So I did a little research. What's a sycamore tree in the Middle East actually like? Because there's more than one kind of sycamore tree. So I looked it up. What does that look like? And here's what I found. First thing that I found is that they grow in different seasons. In fact, they often grow in dry seasons. And when you think about it spiritually, that's what happens in our lives. When we're disconnected from God, there's these dry seasons, dark seasons where sin begins to grow. Also, sycamore trees have very deep roots. I mean, they could be 30 feet high uh, above the surface, but underneath the surface, those roots go even deeper. 
And so when you meet somebody that doesn't know Christ and they're trying to get over the sinful habits in their life, it's really hard because those deeps, those roots go so deep. Also, sycamore trees are common. And that's the way sin is. Oftentimes sin makes us feel like I'm the only one that struggles with this. I'm the only one that's dealing with this. But the truth is, man, everybody's dealing with it. It's very common. There's a lot of common battles. There's a lot of common struggles. One thing that's interesting is that sycamore trees are actually pollinated by wasps. I think that's crazy, but in life, we know what it's like to be stung by life itself. When I was a kid, six, seven years old, I accidentally stepped on a wasp nest and 40, 50 wasps all stung me. And man, in that moment, that, that sting just took a second, but the pain felt like it was gonna last forever. And some of us know what that feels like to be stung by life. Also, the fruit of a sycamore tree is bitter. It looks good on the outside. You bite into it, and man, it's bitter. And that's the way sin is. It looks flashy. That's the way the ethic of the world is. It looks good, but man, it's bitter. Those branches of the sycamore tree, they branch out. They branch out. They're far-reaching, and that's the way sin is in our life. We think we're the only ones that are affected by it, but it ends up affecting our families and our kids and our community. And here's what's so interesting is that that sycamore tree, the wood of that tree would eventually be used to build caskets. And here's the reminder is that if you stay in the tree, you end up dying in the tree. If you stay in the world, you end up dying in the world. And Jesus sees this person that's out of place. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to his own tree. And Jesus knows that his tree is much firmer and stronger than the sycamore tree that Jesus himself is gonna take away sin and give a brand new start. That's the mission of Jesus. That's why it's so important for us to live this out. That's why it's so important as we think about unstoppable to say, man, I'm gonna share my faith with somebody. I'm not gonna forget what it's like to be far away. I'm gonna join the mission of Jesus and seek and to save that which is lost. Man, the church is unstoppable. Jesus is building something that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. And one of the things I love here at SHC is we've got so many people that take the message of Jesus and they live it out. Let's check this out. Hi, my name is Dawn Reese and I've been serving in the backpack program here starting this summer. And uh, what I do here is I pack all these bags uh, for all the little kitties that I love so much from a distance. What the Lord has shown me during my time serving here is uh, that it gives me an opportunity as I'm packing and putting every can, every package into the bag, that I have a chance to pray for every child unknown to me, but fully known to Him. If there's one thing that I can leave as encouragement for anyone that is uh, looking to volunteer uh, and is not doing it now, is just go for it. Uh, That's what I did after 40 years in the corporate world. I was able to retire and then this uh, chaos started, but God is in control and I just dove in and uh, I am so excited to be part of this program and to watch it grow. Hi, my name is Ayanna Bruton, and I am a rising junior. I attend Georgia Southern University. Um, And throughout the summer, I have been helping out Miss Ann with um, the Backpack Project, as well as the Path Project. 
Um, I would definitely say that the Lord has shown me that every part of service is important. Um, even the little things when it comes to building up, um, I've done things like counting and things of that nature and um, just the little things matter just as much as everything else, um, the final product when it comes to service. Will you join us as we sing this song that we really like, it's called Behold Him. Will you still your spirit and your heart for just a minute and behold our creator, the one who made us, the one who gave us life, the one who brings salvation through his son, Jesus. Would you allow us to just take a moment to worship him together? He who was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold Him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion, oh, be still and behold Him.
Man, isn't it so good to be able to sing songs of hope and what an incredible song to remind us that Jesus lived this out, he modeled this, and for us just to pause and to think about that, how incredible. Well, we've been talking about this idea of unstoppable action. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life, sometimes I get distracted and there's what we call the tyranny of the urgent where there's just so many things to do and we don't mean to drift off course, but we do. And so this passage that we're looking at, Luke 19, helps refocus. It helps regather to say, what did Jesus do and how did he model it? Well, the first thing that we said is that Jesus remained true to his agenda. What I mean by that is every time people try to distract him, Every time the religious leaders of the day tried to get him caught up into these debates about stuff that doesn't actually matter, Jesus would always refocus and say, but I've come to seek and to save, seek and to save, seek and to save that which is lost. It's not those that are well that need a physician, it's those that are sick. Jesus stayed on mission. But a second thing that we see from Luke 19 is that Jesus was relationally authentic. He was relational. He didn't beat sinners up. He didn't go off on them. He didn't name all of their sins. In fact, when you see Jesus, not only do you see what he says, but you actually get to pick up on his body language. Listen to what this verse says in verse five. It says, and when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Again, there's this sense of urgency. There's something that's got to happen. But in the middle of that urgency, with all the people around Jesus, Jesus still stopped in the middle of the road. I bet the disciples are tripping over themselves. Hey, why is he stopping? He looks up at Zacchaeus. He makes eye contact with them and he calls him by name. This is all body language saying, I see you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I, I, I know that you're out of place and I, and I know that you feel like nobody likes you and I know that you've actually done some really bad things. I mean, the reason why people don't like you is because you've earned it, but I still see you. I still know you. This is Jesus being relational. One of the things that I think an act of faith looks like, a faith that has unstoppable action, is a faith that says, I'm willing to allow people to know me. I mean, when you think about Jesus, Jesus could have been standoffish. He could have said, hey, I'm, I'm the son of God and uh, I'm different than all of you. But instead, Jesus allowed people to see into him. I mean, think about some of the examples in scripture. You see, when his best friend Lazarus passed away, Jesus didn't have the stone cold stance about it. Instead, Jesus allowed people to see him weep. The son of God weeping, he allowed them to see into him. Or when Jesus is in the temple and he walks into the temple and he sees this place that's supposed to be focused on prayer, he sees people ripping off other people, just uh, the, the same people that Jesus came to die for being ripped off and Jesus in righteous anger turned the tables over. He allowed people to see even that righteous anger side of him. He allowed people to see into him. And I think in our culture, if we, especially if we've been around church, I know not everybody uh, watching today has been around church as long as some other people. But for a lot of our, our, our folks that call this home, if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll try to put some front in our life. We'll try to, to put our best foot forward. We'll try to act like, well, I've got it together. I can't admit that I've got struggles. I can't admit that there's stuff that isn't going great in my life. And we, we feel like we have to put some fake face forward. 
But Jesus was, was relational. Jesus allowed people to see into him. And when Zacchaeus saw that, Zacchaeus was like, I want that. I want to be the man that Jesus sees me. When Jesus saw people, when he, when he saw a man, he saw a man that had the potential of becoming a man of God. When Jesus saw a woman that was disconnected because of her sin, he saw a woman that could become a great woman of God. He sees people that are far away and he sees them as they could be and as they should be. And one of the things I'm convinced of is that people don't need us to act like we have it all together. They need us just to be real. They need us to admit, man, I've got struggles. There's things I'm still trying to figure out. And man, I know Christ, but I'm not perfect. I'm on this journey and I've chosen progression over perfection. I've chosen to say, Jesus, I wanna walk with you. I wanna be with you. Jesus, I want you to have victory in my life. And one of the things that made Jesus so powerful wasn't just that he had miracles. It wasn't that he had a strong message. One of the things that made Jesus so powerful wasn't that he had a message. It was that he was the message. He was everything that he claimed to be. And you're the same way. That if you know Christ personally, you don't just have a message, you are the message. And for us to live this unstoppable action out is to say, I'm not perfect, but I'm authentic. I don't have it all together, but I'm walking towards him. Jesus remained true to his agenda. Jesus was relational in his approach. But a third thing that we see is that Jesus was redemptive. Jesus was redemptive in how he approached people. It says down in verse five that when Jesus came to this place, he calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. People in verse seven got mad about it. It says, and they grumbled. They said, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. This was a big deal in Jesus's day. To have a meal with somebody, to sit at their table was almost like, man, you're a friend of that person. I love that. Jesus didn't condemn Zacchaeus in that moment. Jesus didn't condone his sin in that moment. But Jesus said, I'm not condemning you. I'm not condoning what you're doing, but I am gonna be your friend. I love that. Jesus is known as a friend of sinners. What does that look like? There's three simple pictures I think redemption looks like modeled by Jesus. And the first one is that Jesus always acted like a servant. Jesus never pulled rank on people. Jesus never said, hey, I want you to serve me. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. What it means to, to be a servant means that you anticipate what somebody else needs. It means when you see them going down a path that's destructive, when you see your kid that, that can't see around the corner of what's coming next, to be able to anticipate where they're going and to speak into that, to say, hey, I've, I've been there before. I've done that before. Hey, can I give you a bit of advice? That's what it means to act like a servant. But a second picture is to speak like a shepherd, to speak like a shepherd, to draw on our knowledge of scripture and our knowledge of God himself and to bring that into our conversations. That's powerful where we're able to take what we've experienced and known and say, hey, let, let, me, let me point you in a direction, not to beat you up, not to hurt you, not to harm you, not to use it as dirt against you, but man, I wanna speak into your life. And then the third thing, third picture that Jesus models throughout his life is relating as a friend. For Jesus to recline with Zacchaeus at his table, it was scandalous to the religious leaders and yet it was this picture of friendship. 
I'm not condemning, I'm not condoning, but I'm gonna be your friend. And I just wonder, how many of us have Zacchaeuses in our life? How many of us know people that are still far away? How many of us know people that don't know Jesus yet? How many of us know people that are caught up in the trees of this world and, and maybe we're seeing the franticness of their life and we're, we're hearing the noise that's coming off their life because they're stuck in the tree. They're stuck in the, the root system of sin. They're stuck being stung by, by, by the stings of life and they're, they're caught up and, and they're desperate. Maybe they're trying to fix their needs themselves. Maybe they're trying to figure it out on their own. And I wonder, I just wonder, how many of us have some Zacchaeuses in our life that we could say, you know what, I've got a mission while I'm on this earth. It's to help seek and to save that which is lost. I wonder how many of us, Jesus would say, I want you to be relational. It's not that you're condemning people and it's not that you're condoning it, but you're relational, that you're a friend, that you're, you allow them to see into your life. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to have it all figured out, but just to be real. And I wonder if Jesus isn't calling us to be redemptive and to step into somebody's life and to serve them by helping them see what they don't see yet by stepping into their life and, and being like a shepherd where we take, draw on all of our experiences, good, bad, right or wrong, scripture, prayer, and draw on all that and to invest it in their life and to be a friend to them, to say, I see you, you matter. Your story matters, your life matters. God has something big in store for you. And I wonder if there's some Zacchaeuses in our life that need us to be active in our faith and have unstoppable action of helping people far away to come close to Jesus. Man, I want to remind us today that Jesus on his last night with his disciples before going to the cross, he said, I'm the light of the world, but I'm only gonna be here just a little while longer. Now tag, you're it, you're the light of the world. Man, I believe that today, you are the light of the world. You've got a message that's gonna make a difference. Let's not be a people that sit back and watch people stuck in a tree. Let's lift our eyes, let's notice people and let's help them get out of the tree and into the faith. That's an unstoppable action. What a powerful morning we have had together. We can't wait to hear how you have put your faith into action. Thank you so much for being with us today. If there is anything that our team can ever do for you, we are here for you. Feel free to shoot us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Thank you again so much for being here. We hope you have an amazing week.